0: Well, we've made it to June, and this week on Speak Lord, we're focusing on hope. We're going to bring back some episodes that call us to hope with Samson, and then another one with Moses. This first one was originally titled, His Hair Grew Back. And the episode takes a little bit to get to the point because it focuses on Samson's story. And then there's this often overlooked point that stood up to me. In fact, I've never heard anyone talk about it, but when I read this a year or so ago, This spoke to me. So hang in there through the story to get the point that the very moment we sin, God is working to restore what our poor choices have created. So here's the episode, His Hair Grew Back. I hope you can find hope in this message. This is Speak Lord episode 99. I'm Ryan Rogers, and I do this podcast because I love to hear God speak through the words of the Bible, and I want to share that with you. Have you ever thought that we can experience the grace and hope of God in hair growing back? Some of us men might be looking at our thinning hair and thinking, this is exactly the message I need. Or maybe some of you women got a haircut and it didn't turn out the way you wanted. Does it ever turn out the way we want? And you can see some grace and hope in the thought of hair growing back. I'm not thinking about balding or haircuts. I'm thinking about Samson the strong man. I find his story irritating. He had incredible strength, but he wasted a whole bunch of it because he had some incredible weaknesses. Just think about some of the things he did in his strength. His story is found in Judges, chapter 13 through 16. In chapter 14, verse 6, it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. I never told my parents when I did stuff like that either. Samson had super- Human strength. There's another time when he throws a feast and invites people, and then he tells a riddle and he offers a prize to anyone who can solve the riddle. The prize is 30 sets of clothes. Well, they pressure his wife into telling them the answer to the riddle. Well, Samson got angry, and if any of us would have gotten angry at that situation, we might stomp around and pout and be upset. But Samson had the spirit of the Lord rush upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon and struck down 30 men in the town and got their clothes and gave his reward. He got really upset this other time when his father-in-law gave away his wife. Chapter 16, verse 3. Samson went to look for his wife, and his father-in-law said, I really thought that you utterly hated her, so I gave her to your companions. Is not her younger sister more beautiful than she? We would get upset about that too. But Samson has all this strength to carry out his anger. And he went and caught 300 foxes and tied their tails together and put torches between their tails and sent them into the fields of the Philistines and set them on fire. Later he was bound and it said the Spirit of the Lord again rushed upon him and he broke the ropes that were on his arms And then he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, and he took it and struck down a thousand men. And there was this other time when he carried the city gates on his shoulder. Samson had incredible God-given strength. And that's what's so frustrating is that he also had these weaknesses, and they compromised the good he could do with all his strength. One of his weaknesses was women, and another one was making really terrible decisions. Samson found his first wife among the Philistines. Chapter 14, verse 3, He said to his father, Get her for me, for she looks right in my eyes. And anything right about this relationship stopped there. His parents urged him not to find a woman among the enemies of their people. This first wife was not Delilah. She comes later. And she may have been a nice woman, but she did betray him. Although it wasn't entirely by her choice in chapter fourteen verse fifteen it says on the fourth day of the feast they said to Samson's wife, entice your husband to tell us what the riddle is, lest we burn you and your father's house with fire." That wasn't very nice, but it shows one of these struggles that have to do with Samson's weakness for women and then he finds Delilah Delilah is a prostitute, so right from the very beginning there are signs that this relationship might not be going in a good direction. The Philistines come to her and offer her money to seduce her husband to find out the secret of his strength. And Delilah doesn't even hide her intentions. Chapter 16, verse 6, she comes to Samson and says, Please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. She tells him exactly why she wants to know the secret so that somebody could subdue him. Well, he tells her, but he tells her a lie. And then we see this pattern. She betrays him and she calls the people and they attack. But Samson still has his strength and he defends himself. This happens three times. And then Delilah comes to Samson with a pathetic argument. Chapter 16, verse 15. How can you say, I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. She has betrayed him these three times, and she's worried about him mocking her by not telling the truth. And she pressed him hard with her words. And this happened day after day until Samson gave in, and he told her the secret of his strength. Why would Samson do this? He knew exactly what she would do with that information. He told her that his head had never been shaved and that if they cut his hair off, he would be weak like any other man. Maybe he felt invincible. Maybe he didn't really believe that God would remove his strength. Or maybe he thought that he had that strength in himself apart from God. But for whatever reason, Samson made a terrible decision and he told his secret to someone he knew would betray him. And that's what happens. Starting in verse 20, Delilah says, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he woke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. I really don't like that. I don't like how that story goes. Why would Samson compromise these great gifts God gave him? But that's his story. And that's our story. We have all been gifted by God. We have been given abilities to do really important things. And we so easily throw them away. And we are guilty, like Samson, of compromising the gifts God has given us. But remember, this is a story about hope. In grace. And here it is in verse 22. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Do you hear the hope in those words? Here he is, a blind prisoner. He's messed things up really bad. He's fallen short of the calling of God on his life, and quietly and subtly he's experiencing the grace of God. While we sit in the consequences of our poor choices, God is giving grace to restore us. The very moment the hair of his head was cut, it began to grow again. Not everything was fixed. He still went into captivity. He he still lost his strength. He still became a prisoner. He didn't grow back eyes. There were consequences to his poor choices. But even there, there was grace and hope. As his hair grew, it was literally... God's grace and hope growing in his life. How is God speaking to you in this story? How is he working right now in your life to restore the things that your poor choices have wasted? Can you have hope today in the quiet, constant grace of God? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. You can find more of Speak, Lord, by searching for Palmer SDA Church, wherever you get Palmer. Our second message on hope takes us to the death of Moses. Actually, I I chose two rather depressing stories to communicate a message about hope. There are many verses in scripture that communicate hope without depression. But with Samson and his sad story, God still had hope. And with Moses and part of his story that's pretty tough, there is still hope. And that's when we need hope the most is when life is hard. So this episode is entitled, I Don't Want to Hear It. It reminds us that hope is not based on our faithfulness to God, but his faithfulness to us. It reminds us that your life work and your efforts to do good, they don't fail when you fail because they're not based on your faithfulness, but on God's faithfulness. Hope does not rest on me coming through but on God coming through for me. So here is another sad episode, a difficult episode, with God's hope embedded right in the difficulty. I hope you can find some hope in God's interaction with Moses in this episode. I don't want to hear it. This is Speak Lord, and we're at episode 100. I'm Ryan Rogers. I do this podcast because I love to hear God speak through the words of the Bible And I want to share that with you. You know the feeling when someone crushes your optimism. And they might crush it by telling you the truth, but it's bad news. Some bad news we need to hear and we need to face it. But some bad news we don't need to know. It just hurts us. And if we hear enough of it, we get to the place where we want to cover our ears and say, I don't want to hear it. This is why the story of the death of Moses caught my attention because God shares some really bad news with Moses and it feels like a slap in the face. It feels like a a poor judgment call on God's part, but he's God and he knows what he's doing, but it leaves me wondering why God doesn't spare us from the bad news that only hurts. Moses went through a lot of difficulty leading the people of Israel. Remember, he was called to lead them out of Egypt and it was hard just to get him to the point of accepting that and really hard going before Pharaoh and trying to get the people out of Egypt. And finally, when they get permission, they're chased and they have the Red Sea. Then when they get across, there's Sinai and there's rebellion. He had a hard job leading a rebellious people and he wanted to lead them into a promised land, but the people were afraid and unfaithful, and Moses himself broke faith with God on one particular bad day. So they were in the desert, in the wilderness, not going into the promised land, and God told Moses that he was going to die. In Deuteronomy chapter 34, God took Moses up on a mountain to look over the land, and in verse 4, he said to Moses, This is the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I will let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. That's how Moses dies. Looking at the thing he's longed for and not getting it. God had told him that this would happen. He told him he was about to die, that he wouldn't go there. So Moses had time to think and prepare, and he shifted his hope and energy from entering the promised land to preparing the people who would enter the promised land. It's like a parent who gives everything they have so that their children would have opportunities they didn't. And Moses takes this time in the wilderness to write the book of Deuteronomy, which literally means second law. So he's reviewing all these things God has taught them, reviewing their history and calling them to faithfulness. He outlines the blessings of obedience and the curses of disobedience. Moses has done everything he can to prepare these people for faithfulness when they cross over into the promised land, that land that Moses would not get to go into. Even though Moses knows he will die, there's a bit of optimism, a hope that maybe all his life work will pay off in these people being faithful to God. Now there's just something harsh about going to somebody who knows they're about to die and telling them that the thing they worked so hard for is about to fail. And that's what God does to Moses. He didn't give him the privilege of dying ignorant of how his hopes and his hard work would be disappointed. I've heard some good advice that everything that is said must be true, but not everything true must be said. And God didn't follow that principle with Moses. He shared with him some really bad news and he shared it with him right before he was about to die. So here's what God said, and you know some of the story and some of the emotion that would have been here for Moses at the end of his life and how much he wants to see this happen. Now listen to how these words just sound so cruel. Deuteronomy 31:16, and the Lord said to Moses, behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. Then this people will rise and whore after foreign gods among them in the land they are entering. They will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them and hide my face from them, and they will be devoured. And many evils and troubles will come upon them, so that they will say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? And I shall surely hide my face in that day, because of all the evil they have done, because they have turned to other gods." This is exactly what Moses didn't want to hear before he died. It feels like all his work is wasted. But then there's this song. God gives a song and he tells Moses to write it down and teach it to the people so that they can be confronted by their unfaithfulness. So I was reading through this story and just wondering why God would do this to Moses. And I thought there has to be some clues in this song. So I went through the song and it's just thoroughly negative. It does talk about God's greatness and his faithfulness, but it talks more about Israel's unfaithfulness and the Lord's anger. In verse 23, it says he'll heap disaster on them. In verse 35, it says doom comes quickly. Do you have any idea what God is doing here? Moses is at that place that we know really well, the place where he's feeling, I just don't want to hear it. And yet God's telling it to him. But there are a few lines of hope. Chapter 32, verse 36 says, For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone and there is none remaining, bond or free. And the final line of the song, verse 43 says, He repays those who hate him and cleanses his people's land. I think I see one reason why God is treating Moses this way. When we get to the point that we don't want to hear it, and we prefer to be ignorant, there's one truth that makes the bad news not so toxic. One reason that Moses might have been encouraged in that moment, and maybe we can be too, is that our hope is not about our faithfulness to God, but about God's faithfulness to us. The hope of Israel was not about them going into the promised land and keeping all the commandments and doing great things, the hope was in God being faithful to them even when they completely failed. The life work of Moses hadn't failed. The people would fail, but God wouldn't. Moses could have died with hope in man, that they would be faithful to God and that they would listen to all his words. But God, perhaps graciously, stripped him of any such hope hope before he died he reminded him of something greater that even though his people would fail god's faithfulness would be victorious anyhow so moses went to sleep knowing that the people wouldn't do everything he had written in that book but that god's grace would never leave them maybe there is a reason to hear what we don't want to hear To remind us that even though we mess it all up and this world is wicked and terrible and evil, our hope is not in this world. Bring on the truth that hurts so long as I get the truth that gives life as well. How is God speaking to you? Maybe you have experienced some really bad news and you look around at our world and it's just bad news and you're covering your ears and you're saying, I don't want to hear it. But as you look at those things, they're a reminder that none of those things are the foundation of our hope. In fact, the foundation of our hope is so sure that even with all those terrible things, we still have hope because God is faithful. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Find more of Speak, Lord. By searching for Palmer SDA Church. There is hope, even in the hardest of things. And I'm going to finish up this week on Speak Lord with a short message from Speak Lord for Kids. This is episode 11. It's a quick word of comfort from God. Speak Lord for Kids! Matthew 5 verse 4 Great blessings belong to those who are sad now. God, God will comfort them. So there's lots of things that happen to you, like you get hurt, and those things are sad. But God will give you comfort, which means He will heal your sadness. Speak Lord is a resource of the Palmer Seventh-day Adventist Church. Find us online at palmerak.adventistchurch.org and at pastorbiamrodgers.com Let's Grow with Jesus!